Me looking awkward at my phone. <laughs> How are you all doing? Good. Did you did you have a good time last night after after party? Did you drink? Yes. Who's awake and who's half awake? Like half and half. Really? You like that in your tea? Cool. Okay. Well, before I go on to speak about the topic, I just want to tell you guys a couple of things which I've been thinking about. Um, the uh, ends and beginnings, uh, well, for me, well, it's very poetic that I'm here in Seattle a few days before I go back to Scotland because the first time I spoke at a libertarian event in the US was in Seattle. So it was, that's pretty nice. It's kind of like a come around full circle. It's very poetic. And I was thinking, like, about the movement as well, and uh, how amazing it is to be, to feel like you're at the beginning of something. And because when we talk about libertarianism, a lot of the time people talk about Rothbard or Mises, or we were at the 50th birthday party of the party, and it's like, it's all, we're like hearkening back to days gone by when it was all happening. And you think, oh, wouldn't it have been great to sit across the table from someone that you admire and have learned a lot from and have a conversation with them? But the great thing about being part of the libertarian movement now is it's like we're just at the beginning of something. A lot of people have come into the party, they've got ideas about how we should be presenting our ideas and, you know... If anything, the COVID regime did for libertarianism is like invigorate it a bit because everything was just going on in its own path. And then you're like, well, this COVID thing happened and we would have liked the libertarian to be party to be more active. We would have liked them to be saying, this is ridiculous, this is the biggest infringement in liberty, in, in living memory. Like, you know, the libertarian party could have been uh, the vehicle that people came to, and we went, "What the fuck? Like, this isn't this isn't on." So now we're going to make it that, and it's really exciting because we're at the beginning of something, and it's it's not too late because you know even though they've removed restrictions and things like that, one thing I noted is it really came from the top. It's like living in a spooky alternative reality where the leaders just suddenly said, all right, we're done with that now. And you're like, what the fuck? Like, I can't, like, the, I think the mayor of New Orleans, for example, was just saying a couple of weeks ago, you know, she was, oh, don't, um, nothing gets lifted, you still need to wear a mask. This, I don't know exactly what she was saying, but she was very aggressive and restrictions. Next thing she's saying, it's a landmark moment. It's a landmark moment lifting restrictions in Louisiana. What? Who are these people? What? Like, so because it's come from the top, I don't trust it. And everything um, has to come from the bottom up. And I think we understand that because we understand spontaneous order and individuals acting in concert um, on a voluntary basis create emergent order. 
I have what I want, you have what you want, and where we meet, we can collaborate. And that's how we build organizations, communities, societies, and it's very beautiful. So at this juncture in history, we need to be ready to engage with the general public and um, not think, oh, well, the restrictions have left that. Um, this is just the beginning because with the inflation that's been happening and things like that, people are going to be hurting. And I'm not happy that they're going to be hurting, but it's when people are actually affected themselves that there's a chance they'll wake up. They're not affected by, you know, the bombing and the genocide in Yemen or bombing in Iraq or Afghanistan. I mean, they're talking... Sure. Are you saying people who have people, family in the military are affected? Yes. Correct. But most, of, most people are insulated from that most of the time. Most people, a lot of people are insulated from certain rises in taxes and things like that because they're not in that particular bracket. Um, this, is, this inflation is going to affect everyone. I mean, it's going to be the Mexicans saying build the fucking wall <laughs> to keep the Americans out because people are going to be emigrating to Mexico so that they can actually afford their lifestyle. Um, so I think people are going to be asking us, well, we are going to be there to say this inflation is caused by shutting down the economy, one, because I know you, I know you guys don't know this. Don't be as sarcastic as me when you talk to the general public. I know you don't know this, but see if you want stuff. People actually have to make the stuff. Can you believe that? <laughs> There's in, in Ayn Rand's book, uh, Atlas Shrugged, I just remembered this. There's an economist who quits society because he's blackballed for saying that things need to be produced before they are consumed. Yeah. Wow, what a shocking revelation. So it's like the market, the, the more, it's the supply and demand. I demand, you supply. Uh, no. What I mean is, the more stuff there is, the cheaper the stuff is, because there's more supply. The less stuff there is, the more expensive the stuff is. It's just basic economics. In addition to that, as you know, it was all the, all the money printing. So, I guess I was going to say a couple of things about preparing to engage with people and change their minds. And then maybe we can do a little small talk exercise that I invented for a workshop I used to run in Scotland. Uh, that was called How to Make Small Talk. Clues in the title, really. So, how are you doing? Are you guys enjoying yourselves? Are we still here? Good. Does anyone have any comments? Is there anything that you'd like to say? Did I miss anything important? I would hate to miss something important. Okay, good. But I swear to God, if I fucking put this up on my podcast feed and someone's like, Anthony, you forgot to say, it's on you guys. I gave you the opportunity. It's the, the market, you know, the, the great thing about the market is the combined genius of, of humanity at work to solve problems all together. Okay, so a, a little bit about how to change people's minds and maybe we can do a little bit of a, um, an exercise on this as well. Just some basic precepts. I'm, Obviously, not everyone can change their mind. So before you try to change someone's mind, make sure they have one first. 
Um, so people don't usually change their mind on fundamental issues in one conversation. They've built up a whole net interrelating edifice of beliefs which they see the world through. And what I like to do is before I try and challenge someone when I'm talking to them, I try and like build a picture of what they think and how they see it in my own head first. So I ask them questions like, um, what about this? What about that? Like, maybe a demonstration would be better. Someone shout a progressive view at me. Go on. Don't Universal health care. Uh, uh, um, why do you think that the government providing health care is so important? Because health care is a human right and we should all as a society protect each other and be healthy. All right. Especially in a first world nation like the US, which can afford it. So, I don't really believe this, okay? I'm just I know. Will you come up, please? So you're, um, so if I get you right, you think you think that because we we're so wealthy here, um, we can afford to provide everyone with healthcare. Yes. And wow, this is more nerve wracking than <laughs> did I catch you? I, I think it's because you, uh, yeah. So so you went straight to the values and things like that. So. I, it's it's hard to role play with someone who I know because yeah. I do the same thing yeah. because it's hard to argue. It's like yeah, my, 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 a shitty human being. No, you know you can only have health care if you're kind of rich, right? Like no one, none of us are going to say that. Right. I understand that perspective, right? Like I see right. that so, we want to, we all as a society want to make sure that we're all helping each other. Sure. But we understand as libertarians, we know that this is not the solution because mm-hmm. government's just going to fuck it up anyways. Okay, so. So how do you get to the values part without well, proving them like... Because I always look at it like, it's not financially feasible, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not feasible from a government perspective because you're just going to end up with layers of bureaucracy and everything's just going to get more expensive. That's what always happens. So like when I hear that argument about universal health care, I'm like, I'm on your page, man. I, wanna, I want my neighbor to be able to... You know, if they yeah, get into a so- car accident, I don't want them to like be in debt for the rest of their life you know if you get cancer i don't want you to have to pay off you know a million dollars in, in hospital bills for, or whatever you know there's plenty of these arguments but my argument is always like it's not gonna work you know what i mean like there's there's proven examples of why it's not gonna work sure right sure right so I, I don't know if you're aware of this, but the U.S. government already pays for at least 50% of the money that is already spent on healthcare in the USA. I might say to so- someone, did you know that? And I'd maybe say something like, do, do you think that... Right, say, supposing that I was um, a car salesman and someone... Uh, the government said... For every car I sell, they'll give me a thousand dollars because they want people to be able to buy secondhand cars. Would I would I necessarily like just re- slash the price of cars by a thousand dollars? Like no. I might like because there's a certain level that people are willing to pay, and that's what we've kind of seen in healthcare. I mean, I could say to them, you know, I come from a country where we've got universal healthcare and we've got. Five million people on waiting lists. Like, did you know that? 
like, did you know that uh, I, I'm not a fan of the American system, sure. but um, I mean, you can get seen the next day here in America for things that you'll be in a waiting list for 45 days or 60 or maybe something advances to the point where it can't be treated. And but the main thing is don't like rant someone down as soon as they say something I would just throw something out and stop and listen because see if I can build a whole view like that's panoramic from going around the castle in my head then I can try and find somewhere where it's in and like it's quite good to paraphrase things so like with the healthcare example see some or or no, rather ask the... Speak to the underlying... That's, I think the reason why I had trouble asking you questions when you first hit out is you went straight to like underlying values, whereas most people start on a very surface level. So I could say something like, are you worried that poor people won't get healthcare? Or do you think that... Um, anything. Do you think that... Yeah, just, just, um, it, or it sounds like you're concerned that these are pretty, if you can, uh, if you can get the other person to say yes, like, if you can paraphrase their position in a way that makes them go, yeah, yeah, you've got it, you actually did that when you were up here, then they're, that means they're ready to hear what you have to say. And I think it's a really good principle to try and get the other person to feel like you've stated their position as they see it themselves before even trying to contradict anything you say if you haven't got that yes yet ask more questions um, I've really seen this in action and it works like even not long ago I was in Costa Rica and someone was uh, explaining very kind of social justice warrior views and I, I did, and I, I know that she had very strong opinions, but I just practiced this over and over again, like paraphrasing, asking questions, until I, she um, felt like I got her. And it wasn't an oppositional conversation we were then having. And I, she took on a lot of what I had to say after I got that agreement. So I think people, especially you know, libertarians, we know a lot of stuff about a lot of things. Most people who come into this movement are like geeks. Like, we love it. Economics, history, we know more than other people. And we, whatever they say, a lot of the time we feel we've heard it all before. And maybe you have, but you've not heard it before from them. So if you're going about the... I mean, you're under no obligation to try and change anyone's minds, of course. You know, but if you're going to, you might as well do it in a way that's effective, you know? Like, I was seeing on Twitter people who are meant to be intelligent posting the reason for inflation is greed. And you're like, well, I mean, it's better to ask a question, it's better to say, oh, that's interesting, you'd say that. Do you think that people are more greedy this year than they were, like, two years ago? And ask it, because... Even though it might sound, you don't need to make it sound facetious. It sounds a little bit facetious when I say it, but it's better to ask a question than to say, "That's ridiculous," because people were greedy two years ago and they didn't put prices up. And see what they say and be like, "Well, you know, if 
capitalists just got to set prices, then everything would cost a million dollars, wouldn't it? Our prices are arrived by supply and demand, so there must be some, yeah, supply issue. Rent seeking. So the, the, the thing is, most people need to feel safe enough to be challenged. Uh, I don't like that, but that's how it is. So it helps a lot to what, and like I'm a therapist, so we use something called minimal indicators. Like you nod, uh, like you, you can acknowledge, or, or you go, mm-hmm, yeah, while the other person is talking so that they feel like you're receiving them. They're like a minimal, it's called a minimal indicator because it's the least thing you need to say to acknowledge the other person. And, and some good questions are really to, I should have asked you, see when I was stuck, when you came up, when I was stuck, that's a perfect example. I could have um, asked like, so how did you come to that conclusion? That's always useful. Or the other one is if you think they're talking, if they're trying to present like evidence but you think it's nonsense it's, it's uh, a good question is like where did you get your information and things like that and you can say that's interesting because I heard or I read a study or I that this what do you think of that um, paraphrasing is always really good again coming back to that once you've asked your questions it put their position back to them and it is the kind of thing that if you practice it you get a lot better at um and here's another good point. Take the position of adding information to what they've already said wherever you can, rather than like a direct contribution, contradiction, because although you do need to do that sometimes, because people are more able to like expand their knowledge than like do an about turn. Uh, also, if you're really getting in, into the into it, you can. Uh, another good question is like, how would we know who's? How, how would we be able to check and find out who's right or not? Or another one is like, what would what would have to be true for you to change your mind or to change your like? What would I have to demonstrate? What would I have to demonstrate to disprove that position? Because then you know what they think their threshold is, and most people are not would be embarrassed to say something like, oh, I'm never going to change my mind in this. So, um, I just say, like, don't, like, see if this is just causing you misery and things like that with people you know, like, don't shit on relationships with these kind of arguments. Uh, Miguel printed out extra copies of my notes, not realising that they were notes, so if anyone wants one of these, you can have them. But it's funny, because some of my notes are not explained properly. It just says, don't shit on relationships. <laughs> Enough said. So, and I just don't expose your, myself, like, see, especially on social media, like, I used to be so trigger-happy, like, if someone, I feel like someone's disrespecting me, like, now I'm like, who the f like I don't, I don't have time to argue with idiots like her, like patronising to me. So I just ignore them. And then sometimes a couple of days later, people leave a comment like, "Well, I'm still waiting for you to answer me why X, Y, and Z." I'm like, dude, I just ignore. It. I'm like, who the fuck do you think you are? You're like not entitled to a response from me. So I would say like, you know, dog training. Just like don't give them any attention if they're being obnoxious 
it's not worth your time it's not worth your mental health turn around and walk away and um, because you know your time and energy on this planet is limited and you need to invest it like while you're arguing with some idiot there's someone else who's like oh I've never heard that before like tell me more it's going to ask you questions I, if I was like the in the Illuminati which by the way totally fucking unfair because like Jewish and everything like where's my like credential creden like I'm not benefiting from it whatever the conspiracy is like I think I'm a better Jew than Paul Krugman so not, not in the religious sense but he's getting like zillions and a what is it? He what? He got a Nobel Prize and shit, and he's just talking crap on Twitter. Whereas my posts are fucking hilarious, <laughs> and I'm lucky to get like nine engagements. So fuck you, Paul Krugman, and enter me into the Illuminati. I am bribable. So if I did was if I was I'm not part of the global conspiracy, but if I was, I would pay people to be obnoxious to you on Twitter because you guys are so easy to bait you're such a bunch of fucking know-it-alls I just waste all your time and energy arguing with my bots so don't do that but the thing is see when we stop doing that and we start indulging people that answer questions oh that's really interesting Miguel like tell me more about this libertarianism stuff then 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 what they'll do is they'll they'll pay people to flatter you because you're also insecure and your parents didn't give you enough attention and you're now you're like wow these people on twitter think that i'm really interesting and know stuff i'm going to answer all their questions meanwhile it's just a russian bot <laughs> okay so at the end of the day not everyone's minds can be changed that said you can do your best to debate with dignity. Don't lose your shit. Don't shit on relationships. I feel like I should have another one more because it's the power of three, yet, isn't it? Hey, can anyone help me with this? Don't lose your shit. Don't, don't shit where you eat. Don't shit where you eat and don't shit on relationships. So, be respectful if you can. You, you, you might... You may win. You may win your own respect for for not um, caving to internal the internal desire to like. And why must be people be wrong on the internet? Why can't everyone have the right opinions like me? someone is wrong in the end but sometimes you get like that you're like you're wrong and you're the cause of all the pain and suffering in the world and now I'm going to show you how bad a person you are and you just leave with better feelings okay so how are we doing for time oh I was going to do the fun bit what? I was going to do the workshop bit People are going to have to talk. Do you want them to talk with their mouths full? Yes. Okay. What? Do I want them to talk with... I have to watch you from up here. Okay.